G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. It was about nine o'clock that night, and Matt was in the office talking to his best friend Bevan, and I could hear them laughing. And next minute, I heard a crash come from the office. After a few minutes, not even actually seconds, I yelled out, You know, Matt, what's going on? Are you okay? And then I heard this noise, and it was an exhale kind of noise. And I ran in there to find Matt on the floor. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, I want to warn you to have tissues ready for today's story, both for tears of joy and tears of sadness. Kylie Wilson lives in Albany in Western Australia and has gone through quite an emotional roller coaster ride with many unexpected ups and downs. Just when she thought some parts of her life had been restored, she experienced yet another gut-wrenching loss. Kylie is having a chat and sharing her story with Karen Hunt. Let's go back to the beginning of your life. Have you always been a West Australian girl? Yes, I was born in Albany. So for you growing up, what was life like? Tell us about the early years. Being a part of uh, an Italian family, I guess, uh, we were very into family business. So um, growing up all my life, I was a part of family business, watching mum and dad uh, work big hours. Um, and also, I guess, having that Italian connection, we grew up as Catholics uh, until probably the age of about 10 when mum and dad uh, got saved yeah. and were introduced to Jesus and were born again. And um, yes, yeah, so life kind of took a dramatic turn from there uh, because they primarily were in the hotel industry and they had a pub and things like that. And so uh, very quickly the pub was sold and they went into another direction and uh, bought a motel, so accommodation. So yeah, that, my whole life has been around very deeply rooted family business and um, yeah, that's been something that's been really instilled in me as family and um, being together, the importance of you know being together as yeah. a family. And that industry, is that something that you were wanting to get involved in as well as you grew older and had your own choice? I guess that growing up in any family business, you can't wait to get out of it as mm-hmm. a teenager. What did you pursue though? What did you choose? I actually chose beauty therapy and uh, I went through a stage of actually lecturing beauty therapy at TAFE and uh, yeah, just having my own business. So now I'm kind of set up in, I've got a room in my house and I do special clients. And now here you are, you've got twins, six-year-olds, one eight-year-old. Ellie, Matt's my, my first husband and I, we tried for a long, long time to have Ellie and we actually found out that we were pregnant with Ellie the day before my mum's funeral. So our child that we were expecting, she really became our little miracle, yeah. something to get us through that grief, something to focus on and something just to thank God for, you know, yeah. um, through the storm. And so that was Ellie. So there was definitely a struggle uh, for me when Ellie was born. I really felt like something was missing. You know, I had this new baby, but... There was a real sadness inside me because I really needed a mum as well. Yeah. So 
moving on from Ellie, um, we decided to have another child, and mm-hmm. so I fell, fell pregnant again. And um, Matt and I went to the 19-week scan to find out that we were pregnant with twins. Mm. You know, that was another moment where I was like, oh, why can't my mum be here? They, it was a fantastic pregnancy. They were great. Um, they were born by Caesar, yeah. and they, we were told we were having a girl and a boy, and we ended up with identical boy twins, Luke and Jesse, they are their names, and they were both born at seven pounds each, so they were a fantastic nice. size. Um, however, a couple of days after they were born, they were very, very yellow, and the doctors ran some tests and things just, there's jaundice babies and then there was, was this colour yellow and um, it was discovered very quickly that they had um, a liver disease uh, condition. Oh, yeah. Um, we were raced through to Perth and the doctors in Perth basically said, look, um, we, you need to brace yourselves. We don't know what we're dealing with and there's every chance that these babies aren't going to make it. Mm. And so there's a real grief that comes when you are handed children that aren't in your mind perfect, that you're not getting to take home these babies or this child that you feel that you deserve, that you were promised, that you, you know, as a mum, you never think that anything bad is going to happen, that, that we are promised beautiful, healthy babies. And when we don't get that, there's a real grief that comes along with that. So... We spent about three months in Perth, which is a five-hour drive from Albany, and Ellie, our daughter, basically um, stayed at my brother Dominic's house with his wife, Rebecca. She wasn't two yet. Um, Trying to get your head around that and trying to see God through all of it, that was the big thing. You know, my God, have you forsaken us? Where are you in this time? And please, we just need you to intervene here. So coming to God, you know, throwing yourself at the feet of God and just saying, hear us, we're begging you, hear us and intercede for the life of these babies who we have just been told will potentially not make it to their first birthday. Kylie, you were a Christian at the time of having children, but prior to being married, you Mm -hmm. weren't personally, were you? No, no, look, I wasn't. I was uh, very much a product of growing up in an affluent family and uh, I kind of went down my own path and it was parties and, you know, things that we shouldn't have been doing, I guess, uh, at a young age. And I met Matt. Uh, he was actually one of my brother Dominic's best friends and he came to the door one day and I just thought, oh, my goodness, I love this guy instantly, you know, uh, as you do when you're 16. Um, so Matt and I started dating and neither of us were Christians and he was invited to a Bible study group with, you know, by a guy that he was doing a car up with and Matt gave his heart to the Lord about six months later and I followed and so we were baptized holding hands when we were about 20. Oh, nice. And I know, pretty special stuff actually. Yeah. So now, you know, now I think about it and, um, we were married at 23 and life began from there, the journey of, you know, kids and, and everything else that we're going through. Now, I'm aware that a particular incident happened with Matt. How long were you married for before he died? And can you share with us what happened? We had just been married for nine years on the 1st of November, 2012. We had decided to bring our twins' birthday forward a month just to pull it away from Christmas, as you do. And so we had that on the Saturday. 
and uh, it was a normal week, just family life ticking along and um, Matt and I had spent the Tuesday afternoon together looking at a new family car and he'd been to bed that night and I went and had a cup of tea out on our veranda overlooking the paddocks because we live on a small farm and um, it was about nine o'clock that night and Matt was in the office talking to his best friend Bevan and I could hear them laughing and talking about this car that we're looking at buying and uh, next minute I heard a crash come from the office and I was waiting to hear the laugh you know I was waiting to hear he'd fallen off the chair and broken the chair because he was swinging on it or something silly yeah. and after a few minutes not even actually seconds I, I yelled out you know Matt what's going on are you okay And then I heard this noise, um, and it was an an exhale kind of noise. And I thought, what on earth is going on? And I ran in there to find Matt on the floor, and Matt was, uh, he was a basketballer. He coached a basketball team. He was two metres tall. You know, he was was a big guy, and um, he was strong and fit and all those things that you expect from a 35-year-old man. And he was there on our floor and he was lifeless. And um, Bevan was still on the phone and I grabbed the phone and I'm like, Bevan, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And he said, call Triple O. And um, I called. And by the time I got on the phone to the lady, she just said, look, we want you just to do chest compressions. We don't want you to breathe in his mouth. We want you just to do chest compressions. And he laid there. And he made the noise again, this exhale noise. Mm-hmm. And the lady on the phone just said to me, just keep going. Mm-hmm. We're coming. The ambulance is coming. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I can't even, I can't even describe what was going through my head at that time. I remember just looking at him just going, please, 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 breathe. Yep. Just breathe for me. And I begged and I begged him to breathe. So Bevan, um, as soon as he told me to call Triple O, he got in the car and he got here. So when Bevan got here, he took over chest compressions and I called Matt's mum and dad and my dad. And I was like, Dad, you you know, Matt's had a heart attack. You need to come. So all the parents were here before the ambulance arrived. And, you know, there's something about um, us as people when we watch movies and, you know, we have this thing in our head that as soon as the ambulance gets here, as soon as that defibrillator gets here, things are going to be okay. But this night... Things just weren't okay. And the ambulance arrived and they had to move him out onto the patio because there was just no room in the office. And I remember my dad grabbing his head, just watch his head, you know, don't don't hurt his head. And the defibrillator came and they um, hooked him up. And I just remember so clearly in my head this machine saying, no pulse found, no pulse found. And I'm like, God, come just please, God, you know, we have three babies. They need their daddy, like, this This can't be happening, you know. And I looked at him on the ground and I'm like, wake up, you know, just, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know. And that day, this thought came into my head and that day and I'm putting away all the washing and I was in the twins' room and I'm putting their washing away and I had this thought in my head, this voice in my head and it said, Kylie, just know if anything happens to Matt, you will be provided for. Mm. And five hours later, I was in this situation and I'd lost my husband. Oh, my goodness. And was it a heart attack? No. So what we have found out is that we lost Matt um, through something called long QT syndrome. 
and it is a condition of the heart. It's congenital, so you're born with it and you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's likened to the adult form of SIDS. So really? they call it sudden adult death syndrome and it can hit anyone, anytime. And the general age is basically between the age of 20 and 35. So it was one of those things where I used to say, God, you know, they tell me that you won't give me more than I can handle. Yeah. And how, how well do you know me then that you would give me this? A widow at 31 two sick babies it was just that whole throwing questions at God like really you know really God do you know me do I need this like what are you doing and where are you you're listening to the story Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Kylie Wilson in Albany, Western Australia, who's sharing some heartbreaking experiences she's gone through. Unfortunately, the emotional roller coaster ride of her life continued after the death of her husband, with her going on to experience some tremendous highs and then some devastating lows. We'll hear more of her story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Kylie Wilson in Albany, WA, who's sharing her life story, which, as we've been hearing, has contained some heartbreaking experiences. Before the break, we heard how Kylie's husband died suddenly when she was 31 years old and a mother of three. Now we'll find out what happened next in her life. So widow at 31 and uh, had these children. Having an Italian family to surround you, I imagine that was a great support. Since my mum passed away, I also lost two uncles and both my grandparents. No way. So I don't think the support really came from the family uh, as much as what it came from my church family. Okay. The outpour of love from the community, like the kids' school did a fundraiser for us. And um, there's a family in town who are market gardeners and he knocked on my door one morning um, and he said, God has told me to give today's takings to you and your children. Like I said, the love from the community was so overwhelming that it really, really showed me that actually God was right there in the midst of it. I came to a point um, probably a couple of months after I'd lost Matt and I was laying on the couch and crying and the kids were playing on the ground and Ellie came to me to show me something and one of the twins said, Ellie, You know, mummy's sad because daddy's in heaven. Mm. Maybe let mummy stay on the couch. Don't Mm. ask her any questions. Mm. And I think that was a real turning point for me where I thought my kids deserve a future and they deserve a functioning mother. They're nurtured and they're loved and they're protected. And to be very honest, I mean, I dropped the ball. I didn't want to continue in my role. I, I had totally lost exactly who I was. You know, I was wife then mother. And to me, I was then nothing. So from that moment, I just sat there on the couch and I lifted my eyes to God and oh my God, reveal yourself. I need you. I need you right now. I need you to come into this home and I need you to support me, to lift me up and to take me to the next stage because I don't want to be this mm. crying mummy on the couch anymore. But the Bible was next to me yeah. and, and to be very honest, I, 
I actually hadn't picked it up since the day Matt died. I couldn't talk to God. I just didn't want to acknowledge him. So I picked up the Bible and I opened it up and I know there's no coincidence in God and he led me straight to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. And not only that, and this is where it got me, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Mm. And that was given to me by God that day, and that was my beauty from ashes. That was my Mm -hmm. permission from God to stand up, to go forth, and to be the mum that this house needed to carry it through. To take back your identity that you felt you'd lost, I imagine. Absolutely. To take back who I was in Christ, to take back who I was in this home, to take back who I was in the community. You know, I was so hit by anxiety and nerves that that I couldn't barely go out or drive the car. Mm. And from that day on, I took it back. I reclaimed that life and I took it back. I opened my prayer even further and I said, God, it is not your desire that I should be alone, that these children should not have a father. And so, God, I'm praying and I'm asking now that you bring a man to love us, to cherish us and to nurture this family and to grow it up. I threw myself into renovating and I built this fence at the front of my house and it's like 40 metres long with an arbour and post and rail and the full works because that's what kept me going was like, you know, keeping busy. Uh And... um, so I started frequenting the local hardware shop, and um, this is this is about we're talking about four five months after Matt had died, yeah. and um, this guy served me at the hardware shop, and my heart pounded, and I was like, Lord, this guy, he is everything that I have asked you for, because just putting it out there, I had a list. I was like, God, my next husband, who you from you, you know, you've you've taken Matt, so this is what I want from you. Good for you. I met this guy and he was the list. I was like, no, surely not. And it's just way too early and no, I'm not even going there. And then that Friday night I went to a church service and he was there. Mm. So we got chatting. I sent him a friend request on Facebook. So, you know, and we got talking and I approached Matt's mum and dad and I said to them, hey guys, I've actually met someone who I'm talking to. We're not dating, you know, we're just friends, but the timing is just so wrong. And Matt's dad said to me, Kylie, you know, if you don't pursue something out of fear of the timing, you might actually miss out on something really special. So to receive that word from Matt's dad, yeah, I just created or or started developing a friendship with with Jason. How much time later was it before you guys actually married? Jason and I officially started dating uh, about six months after I lost Matt. And it was about 14 months and I was at a conference uh, at church, a women's conference which I hold every year. And Jason, it was his first opportunity to have the kids all day. I finished the conference and called him and I said, oh, where are you guys? And he's like, oh, we're at Mount Clarence. Um, Come on and meet us up. 
And uh, I kind of got a bit of a heart racing as I'm driving up there thinking, oh gosh, you know, could this be, could he be about to propose? And I thought, oh no, don't be silly. <laughs> anyway, I get up the top of the stairs to see my three children holding signs. And Jesse said, Will, Luke said, You, Aww. Ellie said, Mary. Aww. And Jason was down on one knee with Aww. me. We very quickly set into motion a wedding, you know, because when you know, you know. With us, it was like the kids, they just wanted a daddy and they adored Jason and, and, you know, he just compliments us so beautifully. It's like, you know, he was meant to be ours, which I know he is. And um, so we set the date. The week before the wedding, Jason and I are sitting down with our pastor and his wife and we're signing our documents and putting in the maid of honour. Rebecca, my sister-in-law, who's married to my brother Dominic, she's my maid of honour. And no sooner had we finished writing her name, my phone was ringing. And I was like, oh, it's Beck. I better, I better get this call. Sorry, guys. And I went in my room and I took the call. And Becky says to me, Kylie, I don't know how to tell you this, Uh-oh. but Dominic has been killed oh. at work. So I um, threw the phone and I dropped to my knees and I screamed. And I screamed louder than I'd ever screamed before. And I looked at God and I was like, this can't. This cannot, this cannot be real. It cannot be happening again. And I came into the kitchen where Jason was sitting and he just looked at me and he came over and grabbed me as I collapsed. And I, and I said to him, my brother is dead. I've just lost my brother. And, um, you know, six days, six days before our wedding, before mm. we had our beauty from Ashes moment where we could say that things were going to be okay, things just weren't okay anymore. Hmm. We got straight in the car. Jason's mum and dad, we called them, they came and sat with the kids and we went around to Becky's house and I walked in and I fell to the floor and my words were, so Matt's death was for nothing. Dominique learned nothing and here we are and we go through this again because the warnings that I gave my brother just saying, come on, you know, he worked away and I was like, please, just stay home, be a dad, just love us and stay home. So there I was looking at my sister-in-law, who wasn't 28 yet, with their children. You can identify. I can identify, but at the same time, it's really hard to identify with Becky when I'm in the midst of losing my brother too. Yeah. So the decision was made the next day that we were going to go ahead with the wedding, although it wasn't going to look anything like we had planned, we decided uh, to have a small wedding at Jason's mum and dad's house on their property. There were a few reasons why we went ahead with our wedding, and one of them was it was the day that God gave us. He put that day in our hearts, and that was the day that we were to be married. It was the day before Father's Day, so our children were promised a dad this year for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. It was important for us that Jason could bury his brother and not his, you know, girlfriend's brother because Jason and Don, they just got on so well. And it was important for us to carry on with the day because I knew that if we didn't, Dominique would be angry with us. Mm. And so there I was on this day and it was it was one of the hardest days I think I've ever had to endure the morning. The weather was terrible. You know, anyone who's been to Albany knows that the weather's terrible 80% of the time, but yep. And then perspective came, you know, and it's like, what are we getting out of today? Um, You know, we're we're having today to be married and regardless of the weather, regardless of the outcome, regardless of anything, 
God, you know, we're going to honour you this day. And so while the girl was here doing my hair and makeup, I grabbed one of the bridesmaids' Bibles and I was sitting there and, you know, once again, I just opened it up. And I opened it up to Ecclesiastes um, chapter 3, verse 1, and it talks about the seasons. And, you know, as Christians, we know this, you know, we know these verses really well. But to everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. And the next line, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. And there's a time to kill and a time to heal and a time to break down and a time to, to build up. And then the next one, you know, there is a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And right there, that just encapsulated everything that I was feeling that morning. Although, you know, this has hit us, this tragedy has just hit us again. God, he's still there, you know. He's still there. He's still providing for us. He's still guiding us. He's still loving us. And most of all, you know, he carries us. And he provides us with peace when we need it most. And that's exactly what I felt from God that day. Just this overwhelming, amazing peace that just, settled in my heart that day Mm. to get us through what we had to do. I constantly get asked by people who aren't Christians, how can you still believe in God and how can you still follow God and after everything you've been through, are you cursed? And the general population, when they heard that we had lost Dominic, was like, why Kylie? Why did it have to happen to her and why did it have to happen now? But I think when I look back and when I reflect, I just think there's a bigger picture in it all. And yes, I've gone through all these things, but it could always be so much worse. And I do praise God. You know, the rest of that song, for God, I'm going to praise you in this storm. And I'm going to lift my hands because you are who you are. And no matter where I am and every tear I cry, you're going to hold in your hands. Mm, It's a great song. you'll never leave my side. You know, and and that's me. You know, that song that encapsulates me. It, It encapsulates the things that God has done in my life. But for me... I still follow God because I know more than most people how short this life is, how precious this life is and how without hope in God, mm. there is no way I could get through this without his peace mm. and his love in my life. What a joy yeah. to be talking to you. I mean, I guess we need a reminder that there is always going to be someone that's worse off than us. There's always mm. going to be someone that's better off than us. But you're a living testimony to pressing in, pressing into the things of God, not allowing yourself to be crushed, remaining mm. faithful. That's not easy in our humanness. But God bless you, honey, you and Jason and your twins and your daughter. Hang on to your hope, girlfriend. He's a good Thank God you. and he's looking after you. God bless you, Kylie. Thanks so much for your time and thanks for sharing. Thank you. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Kylie Wilson in Albany, WA, and sharing her journey of healing after experiencing the loss of many of the closest people in her life. But as we heard, her faith has helped her through all of this and has been a constant source of comfort and peace amidst the storms of life. The Bible speaks of this comfort in the book of Psalms, where it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Well, how about you? Have you suffered loss and want someone to pray with? Our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 
and we'd love to pray for you on that number, 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Kylie's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was uh, convicted of an armed bank robbery at the age of 16. When most of my peers were thinking about getting their driver's license, I was faced with a fairly long prison sentence. And during that time, I continued to obviously build my physical body up. But the one area I never dealt with was the area of my heart, the issues of my heart. Well, I guess you could say that Mike Benson flexes his muscles for the Lord. Literally, Mike is a member of the Conquerors International Strength Team, a group of Christian athletes that use feats of strength to captivate audiences worldwide and to share the gospel. Mike will share his own story of his troubled past, serving time in prison, before finally putting his faith in the Lord. That and more next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.